0: Let's give a big hand for Serve the City. Man, I don't know, um, I don't know if everyone realized um, a week ago yesterday we had over 100 people mobilized in our church to go out into server sales, and that's pretty much uh, the pictures of that. Uh, there were some uh, pretty small time jobs, like I did, like painting, uh, but there was some high, high scaffolding work uh, about 25 feet up and some tree work and everything else. So uh, it was incredible. Uh, even the signs that, are, that enter our town uh, were uh, landscaped by our team. So uh, we're excited about that, and we wanted to, to bless the city and impact the lives of other people. Meals were taken to our, our uh, first responders, just a lot that went on last week. So I uh, wanted to let you guys to be a part of that and kind of see what's going on as well. I want to thank Asbury team. Let's give them a big hand. Those guys, uh, young ladies, men, Come in. Uh, they shared with us last night a little bit as well. They're going to be our both services this morning and then tonight as well. So they're getting a, a workout this weekend. Uh, but we appreciate these young people who are preparing themselves for service and uh, the body of Christ. We have students from our church who are at Asbury, and a couple of our staff are uh, currently students there and family. So we've got a lot of connections down there. So it's really great to have them with us. We've been in a series now. This is the second weekend on the Holy Spirit. And we introduced the idea last week, kind of talked about who the Holy Spirit is. One of the things we said is that another version of the Bible, the old King James, uses the word the Holy Ghost. And we just talked about how that word and uh, kind of what that means in our world today. And I was thinking, uh, of course, obviously well, this is Halloween week, so that came to mind as well. But today when we think about a ghost, we think about the spirit of a dead person among the, among the living And perhaps it's why that word isn't quite, doesn't resonate with us as much today as it may have at one point, because the Holy Spirit is full of life. There's no death in that ghost, all right? So this is the Holy Spirit. This is what we're talking about. And uh, in fact, the Holy Spirit is very active. It means a breath, a wind, a current of air, a mighty rushing wind. And and instead of thinking just like a puff of air, I want you to think about a tornado or a hurricane because that's the kind of power that we're thinking about with the Holy Spirit as, as we talk about what the Spirit can do. And uh, and you know, all of us probably have an identity with understanding of the Holy Spirit at some point, because the Bible says when we become a follower of Christ, that every one of us are given His Spirit, that we have a measure of His Spirit given to us. But have you ever been around someone who just seem to have more spiritual power than you do personally, than what you've ever experienced? Have you ever been around someone that whenever they pray, it's just like, wow, you know, they just, you can tell they're just talking to God. And not only that, but their prayers seem to be answered. Have you ever been around somebody who just has an amazing amount of faith that overcomes doubt? They never really seem to doubt if God is there or if God cares, and maybe you struggle with that. Someone that can recall Bible verses and quote them at the right time or always calm in crisis. Someone who you can tell is growing spiritually, who has love and joy and peace in their heart, and you wonder, what does that person have that I don't have? Is there more power than they have? And I believe that maybe the answer could be that that person just has a greater measure of the Holy Spirit in their life, that God is living in them more. Because we talked about while all of us have the Spirit, there's also ways that we can resist the Spirit, even quench the Spirit in our lives and not give Him room to work. So to kind of go back and look at some of the things that we, we, we talked about last week, just a real quick review, that the Spirit has always existed. In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit working. Like God the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit has always existed since uh, since the beginning before the beginning of time. In creation, the Bible says the Spirit was present and the Spirit moved to create the earth. We read Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Spirit of God was there in creation. And when God began to speak and create, the Holy Spirit moved and brought about uh, the, the whole creation as we understand today. It's an amazing amount of power. We often don't think about the power that it took to make everything out of nothing. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit that assisted in creation. And then we read about the Holy Spirit's power continuing on in the Old Testament. How the Spirit would fall upon people. Specifically it says the Spirit gave Joseph the power and the ability to feed an entire country through a famine when they had no resources on their own later on it says that joshua the great military leader overtook the land of cana because he was filled with the spirit later on samson we talked about how that he tore down the walls of the pagan temple we talked about gideon who was filled with the spirit and he led the people of israel in an uprising against the midianites how the spirit was with samuel and david and all the prophets and how what they did was not of their own power or ability but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we move into the New Testament, and we see the Holy Spirit was present at Jesus' conception. Whenever the angel spoke to Mary in Luke chapter 1, he said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the promise was that literally, the Holy Spirit of God would come upon Mary, and she would conceive a baby. That's the amazing power that the Spirit has. Later on, as Jesus went throughout his ministry, he was oftentimes, it says, filled with the Spirit, because the Spirit was in him, was part of him. Whenever Jesus died on the cross, he was raised by the Spirit of God. That was the miraculous power that brought him back to life again. And before he died, Jesus promised that he was going to send a comforter them. One we talked about last week, the one who would be the advocate, the counselor, the friend, the helper, the Holy Spirit, that would fill them with power. And I tell you all those things not just to repeat what we said last week, but specifically to remind you that that's the kind of power the Spirit has. Every great movement in the Bible, old and new, was the Spirit was present and a part of that. In fact, Jeremy Camp, in his song, says, The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's what I want you to be encouraged about, that the Holy Spirit is available to all of those who are believers in Jesus Christ today. So today, let's pick up with that type of history in our lives and remind ourselves that the power is available. But here's the thought I had this week, is that we don't have to be spiritually mediocre. We only choose to be. We don't have to be spiritually mediocre. We only choose to be because the power is available. We just haven't plugged it in yet. In Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning as we kind of move into our understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit, which is our topic today. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has already died upon the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's having a conversation with his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And here's what it says, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and following. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now when Jesus talks about John, I know there are a lot of Johns in the Bible, but when he talks about John here, he's talking about John the Baptist. John was the one who came before him to prepare the way for the coming of of the Messiah. And John baptized, but John baptized for repentance and to prepare the people for Jesus' coming. You know, the word baptize basically means to dip, to plunge, or to immerse. And it came from the Old Testament purification process. When someone wanted to be purified, they would dip themselves under the water. There's several accounts of that in the Old Testament. And so that was borrowed by John the Baptist. He came and he baptized people for repentance of sins and preparation for the coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist did not baptize them to receive the Holy Spirit because the Spirit had not come in its present form at that point when John was baptizing. Later on, when Jesus' disciples began to baptize after the church began, they did so not for repentance, not for preparing, but instead for the forgiveness of sins and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that real clearly. So today, living in that same age, the age of the church, Whenever we baptize, we do the same thing. Baptism is an act of obedience that every one of us are called to do that shows that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that we're willing to make a public statement or confession of our sin, a statement of who He is, and that we have repented or turned from our sins, and that now we choose to live for Jesus Christ. It's a new beginning. And so that signifies something significant. That's why in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38 it says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the holy spirit so how does the spirit come to us clearly peter says here the spirit comes when we begin our walk with christ whenever we're baptized we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and to receive the gift of the holy spirit now earlier jake mentioned that we're going to be having a baptism sunday here in a couple of weeks Let me just tell you, we have baptisms all the time, anytime. In fact, we're going to have two in our service at the end here, which is exciting. Uh, But we're uh, we're going to also kind of reserve, like Jake said, the opportunity for you, if you've been thinking about it, and many of us, you know, we have intentions that we never get around to, and if you're thinking about that and you want to talk or learn more about that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Our Baptism Sunday uh, that we're encouraging people to pray about and think toward is in two weeks, November 11th, but next Sunday evening after our Thanksgiving meal, uh, we're going to be having a class, a training to kind of let you know what baptism is. So if you have questions about that, if you want to know more, uh, just plan on coming to the meal. It's a great bonus. You can eat and then you can be in a class that will tell you what baptism is because the Bible says that not a few, but every one of you are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for our sins to be forgiven and for us to receive the Holy Spirit. So please think and pray about that if if you know uh, that that's a need in your life, if that's your next step on your journey. So let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, again, the word power here is pretty significant because the Holy Spirit is not a, it's not like a mediocre, you know, presence. It is a dynamite presence. In fact, that's where the word comes from. The Greek word here is the word dunamos, which where we we get our word dynamite. So it is a miraculous power here. Again, the wind would be more like a tornado than a gentle breeze flowing through, all right? And so this power that's going to come is going to change the lives of these individuals. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he's telling them that you're going, your lives will be transformed, and you in turn will transform the world. Now to be honest with you, that didn't seem very likely at this point, because these disciples, they were not very impressive at the moment. They, they had a lot of struggles. They had very little faith. Oftentimes, Jesus would have to to tell them, hey, come on now, ramp up your faith a little bit here. They were always quarreling among themselves for the greatest position. They were always looking for the best seats. You know, they always wanted to ride shotgun with Jesus every time. You know, every one of them, you know, was quarreling around. One of them openly denied Jesus three times. One of them, obviously, um, Judas, betrayed him. One of them doubted his resurrection until he was able to see and touch with his own hands. So these guys didn't really have a lot of faith. They weren't very impressive at this point. But Jesus said that you will receive the power when the Spirit comes upon you. And he was right. He was right because we look at the lives of these individuals and they were transformed. And the only thing that could have done done that was the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just Jesus, death, and resurrection. That, in fact, demoralized them in a lot of ways. It was the resurrection of Christ. It was the coming of the Spirit that gave them the boldness that they would need to literally turn the world upside down. They changed the world dramatically, and Christianity, through their effort and the efforts of subsequent generations, is still a powerful force today. And the only reason that could be is because the Holy Spirit came upon ordinary people and gave them the power to take the message around the world as Jesus had told them they would do. So I want you to know that that same power is not isolated or relegated back to Bible times. The same power is available to you and I today. And so we want to tap into that power. We want to experience that in increasing measures And so I want to share with you four qualities I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life and give to you. What does the Spirit want to give you? Let me share some things that you and I can expect to receive from the Holy Spirit. First of all, number one, the Holy Spirit wants to give you the power to share Christ boldly. He wants to give you the power to share Christ. Remember, that was really what it was all about there. The rest of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Samaria and Judea and Samaria and the other parts of the earth, or the ends of the earth. So the primary reason for which the Spirit was given to them was to spread the gospel. It was not just for them to have this power internally, just to enjoy it, but instead that they would then be able to share the power to other people. Now keep in mind that these guys were not great evangelists at this point and they had not traveled much. In fact, most of them probably had rarely even been outside of their own country. And here's Jesus is talking about other countries. He's talking about the ends of the earth. And I'm sure they couldn't even comprehend that. These guys were not powerful or professional speakers. They were pretty limited. They were fishermen for the most part, but they in turn were empowered Later on the apostle Paul who wasn't a great deal different but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. See Paul admits here that he wasn't that great a preacher He wasn't the best preacher in the world, but the Holy Spirit stepped in and gave him power. And through the Spirit, his message was extremely influential and powerful and effective. You know, I I feel the same way a lot. Any effectiveness I might ever have to speak into anyone's life is certainly not my abilities, my limited abilities, but can only be attributed to the Holy Spirit who speaks through us and in us. So my hope every time I speak is I want God to take my words, And I want him to use them to communicate the gospel, to challenge and encourage those who are believers. That's the goal. The Spirit has not given us power so we can be flashy or, you know, even the greatest speaker. It's not of themselves. It's what God gives them through His Spirit. And let me just tell you this. It's not just the public communication of the gospel that the Spirit works through. Instead, understand that the gospel is primarily communicated one-on-one, individuals, one person to another, Even me sharing this morning, most of us in the room are probably already believers. The unbeliever isn't always longing to come into a church service and sit down in rows and and do what we do on Sunday morning. Instead, the message is to be spoken outside the walls. And that's where the Holy Spirit's power is to be seen, not in a sermon preparation or presentation, but instead in normal relationships. And we all need that kind of power and boldness to do that, to go beyond ourselves. Most of us have probably felt uncomfortable or unqualified or over our head or not good enough or not wise enough to share our faith. And I learned a long time ago that that really is true. We're not qualified to do that. But when God's Spirit comes upon us and moves in us, we can, beyond our own power, we can be very effective by sharing the gospel of Christ because we receive the power that Jesus gave. You know, Jesus told his disciples this. Whenever you are arrested and whenever you brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever's given to you at the time. For it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. How many of us sit and think and worry about what we might say if we talk to somebody about Jesus? No, we, we worry about that. We don't feel like we have the right answers. We don't, we're worried they're going to ask the question we don't know. That we might see the wrong thing. And that fear kind of paralyzes us. But Jesus said, Don't even worry about it. Just say what comes to you at the time. I think that's great advice. Because if you could lead, depend upon the Spirit to defend your very life, don't you think the Spirit would give you the power to just share the gospel with somebody? Don't you think it'd just give you the word? So don't worry and don't be afraid. And, you know, I mean, know your Bible, obviously, but, but let the Spirit move through you. So if the primary reason that the Holy Spirit was given to us is to share Christ, we're maybe doing a poor job of using the Spirit for which it was given, right? Secondly, though, the Spirit will give us power whenever we're weak, to share the gospel, but also when we're weak. We read this last week, a portion of it, Romans chapter 8, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. To promise us that the Holy Spirit actually prays for us when we don't know what to pray for. That we have this counselor, advocate, friend, uh, helper who is helping us pray, but also whenever we are struggling and we are weak, he is strong. When we're weak, he is strong, no matter what area that may be in, that he will move in and he steps in to take over in our lives. You know, I have a few friends, I've been blessed through the years to have a few friends that I honestly think would do anything for me if I ask them to do that. Anything legal and ethical, I think they would probably do that. I hope you got friends like that. People who would step up to do that. I I, like a lot of people, I have a hard time asking though, because I'm pretty independent and I have a hard time asking them. uh, But they'll oftentimes ask me to say, hey, what can I do for you? Or what can I pray for you about? Now, I hope you have friends, and I believe in the church is the best place to get those kind of friends. But even if you don't have those kind of friends, you have a friend. You have a friend, the Holy Spirit, who wants to step in and carry you when you can't carry yourself. When you are weak, He is asking you, what can I do for you? What can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I assist you? Overcome this. How can I strengthen you? We just have to ask. And again, we don't have to be spiritually mediocre. We only choose to do so. And we neglect the power that God has for us as believers. Then thirdly, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to have hope in a hopeless world. To have hope in a hopeless world. Romans chapter 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see how it clearly says that? That we have hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there ever a time in your life whenever you feel hopeless, whenever you feel kind of despondent, you feel kind of depressed, you're down, you're discouraged? I think the reason that we oftentimes feel that is because of what we're seeking to find our hope in. If we're trying to find our hope in money or our job or other people or a cause or or whatever it may be, all of those things are limited and they're going to let you down. You will never find your hope and your peace in things of this world. The Bible says that all of our hope has to be in God. Why? Because he is the God of hope, the provider of hope, and he will fill us with all joy and peace if we trust in him. That's what uh, uh, Paul Paul's saying in Romans 15. He will fill us with those things. And in fact, he says we can overflow with hope. Overflow with hope, but only through the Spirit living in us. He is the one who gives us hope and destroys our hopelessness. You know, many of us, I think, live our lives without hope, without something to look forward to, something to anticipate, a promise in our lives. In many cases, I believe, it's because we don't tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you're hurting, if you're longing, you're feeling a little hopeless about something, I would encourage you to reach out to God in His Holy Spirit. Reach out to Him, and you will be lifted and filled to overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you came today just to hear that. Maybe that's what God wanted you to hear, that if you're struggling with hopelessness, that there is rescue, and the Spirit will fill your life. And then the fourth thing I believe the Bible teaches us is that the Holy Spirit will give you the power to experience all the fullness of God. You know, last week we talked about the fact that Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life, but many of us don't experience the abundant Christian life. Many of us live kind of a mediocre Christian life in a lot of ways. And for a lot of people, the Christian life is not so much different than the life that they lived before. It's somewhat empty and under, unrewarding. Maybe you go through all the motions. You, maybe you check the boxes. I, I believed in Jesus. I, I was baptized. I go to church. I, I read my Bible sometimes. I, I pray when I, when I think about it, try to be a good person. But all of those things are not going to give you the abundant life. Just practices are not going to give you what, what the, God longs for you to have. Because we can do all those things and not really live very different from the rest of the world. The world that's hurting. The world that's confused, addicted, worries about everything, fearing, struggling in their marriages, struggling in finance, feeling powerless, overwhelmed, defeated. All those things. You know, I, There are Christians who live like that. And if that's you, you know that's not what the Christian life, you thought it was all about, right? God wants you to live a life so much more, a full life, an abundant life. But without His Spirit, we're just operating on our own power. And I think a lot of us, because we're independent Americans, we just want to do it ourselves. And we have to rely upon His Spirit fully. Now you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What an amazing scripture. And Bug, you read this last night in our meeting. That God says, this is what I want for you. I want you to be filled so you can understand the full scope of the love of Christ. And only can you experience that with the help of His Holy Spirit. So if you ever wondered if there was more to Christianity than what you're currently experiencing, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, there's so much more, more than you could ever imagine and more than most of us are currently experience. But here's the thing, we may try on our own to get that, to get that feeling or whatever it may be in our life, but we can't do it. That's why God says, I'm going to give you my spirit that's going to come to be with you on a constant basis so that you'll have the power to declare your faith boldly, to overcome your weaknesses, to have hope in a hopeless world." And to truly experience the fullness of God. Because we have a supernatural God. We can live a supernatural life. We can be filled. We can be strengthened, comforted, guided, empowered. All those things that the Spirit can do and promises, we can experience those things in our personal life. And let me just tell you this. Maybe you're seeking and wondering, how how do you discover that? How do you experience that? And, And I believe that it comes through our understanding of God, and through our obedience in accepting Christ, but also through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. Because you see, I think that's where we come in contact on a regular basis with the Spirit of God. That's how we need His constant filling. You know, I heard someone say one time that, that we all need to be refilled by the Spirit because all of us leak. We all leak the Spirit. The Spirit comes and then it goes, Right? but we have to constantly be filling our lives with truth and and filling ourselves or allowing the Spirit to fill us. And I believe that comes through being in the Word of God because the Holy Spirit of God is the author of the Word of God. Think with me a little bit about this, where the Word comes from. That's why the Word of God is so powerful. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So where did the inspiration, where did the God-breathed Word come from? It came from the Spirit of God that was in the lives of those who wrote the Word of God. And that's why the Scripture has to be valued. That's why it has to be protected. That's why we have to keep hold, a strong hold on the truth of God's Word. Because when people try to redefine and replace the truth of the Word of God to make it acceptable to our current culture, it's a direct insult to the Holy Spirit. It's an insult to the Spirit when people try to replace the Word of God. So whenever people attack us because we stand on the truth of God's Word, whenever we don't bend for the culture, don't be surprised. Because the Bible already warns us that people are going to do that, that the world's going to put pressure on us, that that they're going to insult us, they're going to um, persecute us. They're going to falsely say all kinds of evil against us. But the Bible says when that happens, how do we respond? Do we fight back? No. The Bible says that we rejoice and be glad because great is our reward in heaven. We rejoice because great is our reward in heaven. And let me tell you, I believe this so firmly that it doesn't matter what the world says. And our church, Journey Church, will stand firm for the truth of the Word of God no matter what. No matter what, we will stand on God's Word regardless of what the culture does. But at the same time, we will balance truth with grace like Jesus. Jesus was full of grace, but He never, ever compromised the truth of His Word. So let me encourage you, when you get into the Word of God, you experience God filling you with the Spirit because the Spirit is the author of God's Word. This morning, we're going to wrap up, and, and we're going to do that kind of like we did last week if you were here we're going to combine our response time with our communion time, which uh, a lot of people just had some really positive comments about that. So here's what I want to ask you to do in just a few moments. If, uh, if you want to share in the communion, which we invite all immersed believers to come and do that, share that with us, we just ask you to do that. We're going to ask everyone just to come up the, the two center aisles here. Uh, you can share, you can gather around the table, and then you can kind of move around uh, through the, around the outside. It kind of, uh, keeps uh, confusion from happening there, but kind of go around and come back in if you would do that. And uh, so we ask everyone to respond this morning. But there are going to be a couple of us uh, up here. Tony will be on one side, I'll be on the other. There'll be some other folks that may step up to, to share with you and be available as well. And we want to give you this time. We want to be available to, to share with you, to pray with you. Maybe God is speaking to you and you want to talk about your next step on your journey. And if you're an immersed believer in Christ, I want you to take a few moments in your reflection time before you share the communion. I want you to think about the life you've been living and if it's an empowered life by God's Spirit. And I want to encourage you, if not, to just pray and ask God to fill you anew with His Spirit, just to invite Him in, um, that, that, that you would welcome Him into your life. And He would feel free to come and move in your heart and speak to you and lead you and give you power we've been talking about. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, then I want to encourage you to pray as well and to seek Him. You know, we said last week that the, the Spirit's first work in our life is to convict us of our sins and our need for Him. And so I want to encourage you to I know, open your, your heart up and ask God to be moving and show you the areas of your life that you need to respond to. And Tony and I are going to be up here kind of on the wings, and we're going to be available if you want to talk about that next step on your journey, or if you want to talk about baptism or whatever it may be, uh, we'll be available for you. So let's make this a time of responsiveness for all of us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. And Lord, as we have, I believe, just maybe scratched the surface of understanding the power of the Holy Spirit... That, God, we would truly be open and, and willing for you to come into us, for your Spirit to move. God, we, we, we believe, your Word says, that we're two or more gathered, that you're there. And So, God, we know that you're present. We know that Christ is here. We know that the Spirit is here. And we welcome you, God, through your Spirit, through your Son, you as Father. And, Lord, now as we go to this time of communion, we want to we thank you for the love you have that took Jesus to the cross that he would lay down his life for us. God, that we would have the chance, as we as a church do every week, to share in this reminder, this process or experience that we call communion. God, we take a piece of bread that reminds us of the body of Christ broken, and we take a a cup of juice that reminds us and symbolizes the the blood of Christ shared for us. We do these things to remember. So Lord, be with us now. Draw us close to you. As we share together, in spirit, we invite you to move in our hearts and lives. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.